Welcome to The Oracle, a podcast for wild feminine wisdom channeled from the deep. I'm your host, Miriam Ropschitz, creatrix of Moonbody. I'm a guide for women sharing body-based teachings on the feminine. The Oracle brings you podcasts on womb wisdom, sacred sexuality, embodiment, and the women's mysteries. My prayer is that these conversations with my coven enrich, ignite, and inspire your relationship to the sacred feminine for a life of magic, pleasure, and power. This is Miriam speaking to you from a little orchard, or more accurately, I guess it's a paddock in Somerset, my new um, home for the next month. Maybe you can hear in the background some birds' song. I can hear a wood pigeon. I think a chaffinch. And I don't know what the other ones are, unfortunately. I wish... I wish I did. (laughs) So this is my introduction to this podcast episode with a dear sister, Audrey Jean. You may know her via Instagram as Womb Root. And she's one of those sisters in my life who I've never met in person, but we have a very beautiful connection that we both nurture and yeah, she feels like a soul family on the path. And that's a really comforting, um, healthy, beautiful thing to have. I absolutely adore the work that she offers in the world. She is this fountain of incredible sensitivity and clarity and creativity and insight. And her work is incredibly valuable Um, she's not somebody who is out there posting content 24-7 there is a very integral flavor to the way that Audrey works and I love that about her and I, I really with this conversation the intention is well number one to have a nice chat with somebody I love and number two is to get her work out for everyone to see it because this is some she's an artist I mean she doesn't define herself as an artist I'm saying that that she is an artist this is another woman in my life who is really deeply embodying her feminine genius um, as are all the sisters I'm going to be speaking to on the oracle podcast and I can't wait to bring you more and more of these amazing women I actually share in this podcast episode how the oracle was born from a mushroom journey and also the way in which Audrey had a very important part in actually naming this podcast so more on that soon in our conversation um We actually recorded this conversation on International Women's Day, March 8th. Not deliberately at all. 
Uh, I don't want to speak for Audrey, but I have a feeling that, like me, she is not particularly mm, bothered or, you know, celebrating International Women's Day. It doesn't really... When you do this work and you are <laughs> living in the alternate reality that being led by the feminine creates, International Women's Day doesn't hold much... Um, beauty or power really in my life anyway and if it does in yours then that's wonderful and that's great and I'm happy for you so this is not a you know a critique of anything it's just funny that we do this work we had this conversation on that day and neither of us really give a shit about that um, so it's coming to you, it's coming out around a month after we actually had the conversation. As I've been in Italy for three weeks teaching uh, teaching Nectar, my women's mysteries temple training in Puglia. And also having a little adventure myself around Positano. I know that bird. <laughs> Some seagulls. Um, yeah, so here we go. Enjoy. It's uh, It's a really gentle conversation that I believe will feel medicinal for your nervous system, nourishing for your body and your womb and yeah just enjoy the beauty and the creative genius of Audrey Jean. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Audrey Jean to the podcast today. Hi Audrey. Hello Miriam. Hello. Hmm. How are you doing, love? I am doing well, thank you. Um, I'm enjoying the spring that is budding here all around me and woke up this morning to um, little birds at my window and um, a rabbit crossed my path and I'm just feeling this beautiful springtime energy flooding in from all directions and really welcoming it. Oh, that sounds divine. Whereabouts in the world are you for our listeners? Yeah, I am in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and yeah, it's settled, settled into the Appalachian Mountains. Mm. Um, very old, old mountains, some of the oldest in the world. And they are so soft and so feminine and wet and lush. <laughs> so really loving that. Um, change of pace. I moved here recently from from Colorado, the High Rockies. So very different energy. Mm. How far are they from each other? Oh my goodness. Um, well, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and the Appalachian Mountain Range is on the east coast of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And the Rockies run down the middle. So at, they actually run from Canada all the way down. Um, they might even move right into Mexico. I'm not sure. Um, but that central chain of mountains. Okay. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm in Somerset, England. Amazing. <laughs> it's just about to become 8 p.m. So it's just about to become 3 p.m. with you, right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. And it just we're just into three minutes of our conversation as I said that. I love a little... <laughs> a little number number symmetry is my my jam hey mm. it's so lovely to have you here love yes thank you i'm you so know, happy to be here <laughs> i am um, 
a while back when I was living in Portugal, I had been really wanting to have recorded conversations with the women in my life mm-hmm. um, for a long time. And of course, that would be the vehicle for that would be a podcast, but it was never it's been born out of the desire to just record the very interesting conversations that I'm very fortunate to have in, in my daily life with all these incredible sisters that are around me, of which you are one. Mm. And I actually had one day in Portugal where I took quite a strong dose of mushrooms and was in a, was by myself and was in a real creative moment. And I made like a special like a diagram of all the women I wanted to talk to. Mm. I really need to take a, it's somewhere in a journal. I need to take a picture of that and send it to people. And you're on there as one of my <laughs> inner circles of the people that I really wanted to speak to as, as was Sophie Strand, who I spoke to in episode two. And now you're here in episode three. And mm. what's beautiful is I've managed to kind of follow the diagram, even though it was created in this quite, um, anarchic spirit of being yeah with the medicine Mm -hmm. um, it's it's yeah it's translated it's mapped very well onto reality so I love (laughs) you're here for episode three of this podcast and there's another little element to it as well that is very personal to you and I I'd forgotten about this until I was just making my dinner before we spoke and I was like oh my goodness so we had a conversation once and you said that in conversations like the one that we were having at the time which was you know just a a beautiful chat about work and the world and the womb that and you said you feel that there is often an oracular channel which opens in these types of conversation. Mm. And I loved those words, oracular channel, because they really were very true to my experience of what happens. Yeah, when we talk to our sisters about what really matters to us, there's this change in consciousness that happens, almost like an altered state. Yeah. And so you have inadvertently named the podcast, <laughs> which is cool. I love that. What a beautiful name for your podcast. And so it, it just, it holds such a powerful energy and container of, of what will hopefully continue to unfold in all of your conversations is that oracular channel opening. Exactly. I have no doubt they will in whatever form they come. All is welcome. But mm. you know, thank you for offering me that oh yeah absolutely Mm. yeah I love that the I love also that the the mycelial you know the mushrooms and their their medicine um are part of this weaving as well and that that's sort of what helped bring this all together they're such incredible connectors in that way they are hey they are and I feel like we're also just giving a little bit of love to to Sophie Strand for all her seedings mm. around the mushrooms. So thank you, Sophie, for making some fertile soil for us to start planting other other seeds in. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That makes me just want to go straight to the good stuff, love. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So before Audrey and I got on the call, I was um, looking in my instagram dms because 
Audrey and I have been speaking there since 2019. Originally, I wanted to just see like when we started talking. And so I went back to at the beginning of our message thread. And along the way, <laughs> so right at the very beginning, I found the messages that Audrey and I had had share sent each other where we had a little bit of sister wounding come up mm. and so I asked Audrey should we speak about that she was like yes <laughs> definitely so I think it's really really interesting is it all right if I tell the story and chime in if you have any like different rememberings of it sure yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it okay so Audrey reached out in 2019 and she was letting me know I was doing some work, my body of work called The Moon Code, which is a series of workshop, live workshops. This is 2019 in Switzerland where I was sharing with women womb wisdom around discovering their own moon code. So discovering the way that their cycle has a unique rhythm that contains wisdom for them and their lives and part of it was around reclaiming pms healing pms and kind of bringing in the tendrils of the the dark feminine wisdom that arises in pms and audrey has a beautiful piece of work what's it called love your book yeah i recently renamed it um, right. please make space please oh. make space oh. which is a way that i like to hold the term PMS please make space <laughs> mm -hmm. yes I've, I've heard this before from you it's beautiful so your book back then it was like a PMS and the dark goddess something like this yeah it was at the time um the wisdom of the dark witch and oh. that was that was my initiation that that ebook was ch totally channeled and it was the dark goddesses um basically just conversing with me and saying okay this is this is how you work with this energy this is how this is initiatory energy and um uh, and I was working with herbs and remembering my ancestral herbal roots <laughs> and so it was a designed as a ritual herbal guide for um, working with the premenstrual phase mm. and is it still free for people um, it's not. Okay. I, I think I probably sh just shared it with you as I remember oh. it. Um, cause well, maybe I can interject with another piece of the story, but what yeah. I remember was your post about the premenstrual phase was just so, I was like, yes, someone else is speaking to this and someone else understands this. And I, I should say that I was a total Instagram newbie. I was never on much social media at all until I began doing this work. And so I think in 2018 was when I opened my Instagram account. And so I really had like this whole awakening of like, oh my God, like this is Instagram, you know? And yeah. I didn't really understand like the the social dynamics so much. I was just so enthusiastic of to be like, oh, I'm not alone in this work. And I remember reaching out to you and saying, you know, just resonating with what you had posted and then saying, you know, oh, and I, I wrote this ebook and, um, and it's available. And would you share it with your, with your people? <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. And reading back through it now and knowing you, 
I can totally see the intention and the love and the purity of the gesture. But at the mm. time, I took it not in that vein. And I took it to be like, hey, share my work for me. I was yeah. like, and, and nothing that you said in your message suggested that. It was purely the way that I received it because I was... At that moment, I was doing, I would think I was going through a pregnancy release and my hormones were mm. a little bit scattered. And I also was having a real issue being plagiarized by one particular woman in Switzerland. Mm. Wow. And so yeah. I was a little bit, I was really kind of suspicious of people on Instagram. Like yeah. <laughs> I was seeing people through this projection of you are trying to like take my stuff. And so I, you know, I saw your invitation through those eyes and I replied and I was like, something about that feels really off to me. Mm -hmm. And you were like straight away and your response, you, and I said this earlier to you, but you did really, really well, love. Like the way you handled it and you just held it with love and you like, you know, apologize for any, in, you know, any insensitivity or anything but mm. also like was was so grounded and gracious and then you can see how I realized that I got it wrong and then I switched mm. and I'm like oh and I explained to you sorry I'm like passing through some stuff right now I mm. mis misinterpreted your gesture please send me the book and then I get the book and I'm like oh my goodness this is <laughs> so good it's so so good and I do recommend is that something people can go and buy from through your links love yeah, absolutely. It's um yeah, it's available in the link in my bio which will bring you to the online store. Beautiful. I do I highly recommend buying this book especially if you're somebody who is, you know, working with your womb or um experiences PMS and would like to know more about that or is fascinated by the dark feminine, the dark goddess, the dark witch. It's mm -hmm. a real 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 gem. And then I read it and I was like, "Oh." And you know, I guess why I want to share it is we both know that womb work has an element of healing the sisterhood wound and the witch wound within it. Yeah. That's a piece of it, right? We think that we're coming here to like have nicer cycles and then we get initiated into this <laughs> whole spectrum of the feminine. Yeah. And also just... You know, I could have really missed, I could have, we could have not connected at all if I had continued to see through just my projection. Sure. That would have been sad. <laughs> then we wouldn't have been. Oh, yeah, I love how the Dark Witch brought us together in that, yeah. in that wounding um, or the Dark Feminine. And, you know, one thing that I've really found to be true about the sisterhood wound and you, you know you've spoken to that in is the projections and once there's context mm -hmm. once there's like the personal the mm -hmm. vulnerable the revealing of like what's happening behind you know it, and that that takes a lot of courage and so I actually I commend you for being willing to to pause and self-check and say wait a minute you know what's mine to own in this mm -hmm. and and to and to be able to show up for that that is how we heal you know, the, the sisterhood wound. Thank you for saying that, because I must say, when I just read through, I was like, I judged myself a little bit there. <laughs> but mm -hmm. even though it was with love, because it's three years ago, I still saw like, oh, Miriam, you know, 
you just um you were bringing your sad girl energy there (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely something that I have brought to places it doesn't need to be in my life so I know Mm -hmm. about that wound but thank you because I did go quite quickly move into reflection and then repair and so we'll give me some points too (laughs) and you know I also want to give you some more points because I'll take them I um I recently um you know navigating the world of an online business as a sole entrepreneurial woman as I'm sure you know is such a such a wild west and there's so many people telling you you know how to do it and a lot of it is in this sort of like patriarchal like scarcity capitalist mindset driven marketing thing and I've definitely you know drinking some of that (laughs) kool-aid on my on my path and one of the advice that I got in my in my journey was to, you know, um, reach out to your network and, you know, offer incentive for people to share, you know, the, the courses that you teach or what have you. And, and I had reached out to you actually relatively recently, I think it was last fall. And you were like, love, I, I would be honored just to share your work. Like I would be honored just to send you, you know, the people who would resonate with you. And that touched me so deeply that that opened a whole sisterhood wound for me where I was like, you know, tit for tat. Like if I do something for you, you have to do something for me. I can't just ask you to like support me. You know, there has to be like some kind of incentive or some kind of um, reward or return. And it was just, it washed over me. I think it it brought me to tears, honestly, because because that wound goes back to my 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 blood sister <laughs> wound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to give you mega points for that, Miriam. Because um, whatever whatever didn't get resolved in the first time around <laughs> between us um, found a lot of healing in that moment. Mm, wow, love. That's so cool. Thank you so much for, for letting me know that because I mean it. I adore your work and let's do it. I think there's even more sister wound to speak to here because our work in a way, despite being totally different, is also very similar in a way. Yeah. Do you think that's fair to say? I do. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's such similar threads and we, we each weave our own tapestry, but very much the threads are are of a similar color (laughs) they are hey and we could we have similar size following similar demographic similar like arty kind of alternative graphics um Mm -hmm. there's a lot that we could be competitive over right but there's never been apart from that initial misunderstanding from me i'd never felt that for one second i've always felt that we are allies and Mm. sisters doing our different yet very similar work yeah I never felt like I want to compete with you yes and that is that is the healing of the sisterhood wound it's like let's let's resolve this this jealousy this competition this this striving for power or the hierarchy of what have you and this is you know as I've traced this wound in my own dream um 
like DNA and deep, deep, deep way back <laughs> into the deep mm-hmm. ancestral lines, I've really found that this arises from the fall of the of the temple priestesses and and the um, the breaking of that matriarchal um, foundations of life and of culture and when the sisterhoods of the temple priestesses was broken, you know, there was no, it was no longer a circle. It was no longer a sisterhood circle. It was um, a hierarchy. And, and I think a lot of us are here today to help each other heal that those karmic wounds that, that occurred when the temples fell and when the matriarch fell. And um, when we, came to be in this world that we are in now Mm. i feel that needs like a moment yeah to be felt yeah it's it's truly heartbreaking you know um the the loss of like that love that sister love i i i feel so many of us are longing for that and yet when we reach out for it there is this 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 ouch (laughs) this like wow that hurts you know because we are trying to find connection and safety in our trauma bodies that are still really wounded um, and haven't learned we as as a society as a collective we're still really repatterning a lot of that wounding um and i know that i've lost you know at least one Uh, dear dear sister because of that wounding and and it hurts you know and um i i don't know that we will ever be able to heal all of it in one lifetime right so we just we take our time with it but um i i think it's very present in the womb in the world of womb work and womb awakening Mm, absolutely you know you you teach what you need is yes <laughs> a very old and true saying and can be very confronting to look at that especially when you're teaching some really kind of a lot on the shadow and, and the dark witch and yeah it's confronting mm-hmm. love i'd like to give our listeners a little taste of your what i like to call feminine genius which i feel you are uh just resplendent with and and is oozing from from every pore of your body this is a little section of your writing that i use on my dark feminine medicine course when we're speaking about the void in week seven and and goddess kali so Mm. here we go this is audrey's writing a menstruating woman has a natural lack of ambition For on a soul level, she understands that what she is doing is resourcing herself with the source of life itself through the life-death-life cycles of the womb. Menstruation is a time of consolidating our essential procreative erotic energy in the fertile roots of stillness. Mm. Yet the impulse to be in a continually expanded state often propels us out of the nutritive heart of our cyclic winter and into a premature spring, planting the seeds of a depleted future self. Mm. 
So there's loads of great writing from you that I was looking through. But I wanted to use this one just to give people a taste, those who do not know your words and your work, because I feel this one has is very um, useful, like in a very practical sense. And if I was to say what your work is about, <laughs> I would say it's about a lot about obviously the womb and obviously death and rest and the underworld. Like these, for me, are some of the really key threads of your work. Does that feel accurate? Yeah, yes. Um, I, that, you know, my personal journey into <laughs> my womb initiation, I guess you could call it, it came from being in a continually expanded state that I just had this forced contraction. And I think this happens to so many. Um, I, I had enough little spirit guides on my shoulder, so to speak, that I got the message pretty quickly. Um, but I think as a societal, um, there's a societal expectation that we just don't stop and we just don't rest. And, and especially as womb keepers, you know, there's, um, there's a lot held in the womb that keeps us from dropping into it because it, it's, um, you know, in my background of work with the womb and study of the womb in Taoist womb shamanism, the menstrual blood is said to house our emotions. Mm -hmm. And so when we bleed, we are releasing um, all of this accumulation and um, we have to we have to really tend to that, but we don't live in a culture that gives us permission. So, well, you know, what does it take then for us to give ourselves that permission? And I, I would say that's a lot of what my work is about. It's about reclaiming womb sovereignty, sovereignty over our our womb. Mm. And, and to do that, you're right, we do have to descend into the underworld first because that's really where the, where the codes are found. Mm. I was having my hair cut on Friday and the beautiful young lady cutting my hair told me that she, you know, I'll be talking to everybody about everything. So a few minutes in and she was telling me she's been on one of the pills where you have a you take continuously. Mm -hmm. And so she was, she's suffering from quite severe depression, anxiety and having other physical symptoms and is also on a continual pill. So she hasn't had a bleed for mm. two mm. and a half years. Wow. I just thought that's such a, a very telling uh, real life um, expression of what you just named in a more poetic way. Yes. So yeah. if we're meant to bleed, because we got to get that stuff out the body. Mm -hmm. If you keep it in the body, circulating, circulating this old blood, this stagnant emotion, you are denying yourself the monthly release that is your, you know, is what you are made to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As womb keepers, we have such 
a superpower that we have a womb, we have a vessel to hold, um, to compost, right? Like to compost our, we, we are an embodiment of this life, death, life cycle. So we get to continually rebirth physically and therefore also, you know, emotionally, energetically, spiritually. And uh, men don't have that. And so the, at least in, again, in the Taoist framework, there's, um, we can transmute the emotional pain in the heart. And that's a, a lot of what all spiritual practice is. It's like, okay, let's, you know, find the heart mind and and heal the pain. And um, we can certainly do that, you know, but many of us don't have that level of spiritual energetic practice to be able to manage um, all of the accumulation of pain that and suffering that happens, not just in our own life, but again, like our ancestral multi-generational traumas that live in our bodies, that live in our DNA. And when we, as womb keepers, when we deny ourselves that opportunity to bleed and to release and to surrender um, and to reset and rebirth, you know, we're, we're really doing ourselves a disservice. And um, a lot of, you know, what, there's just so much fear around the womb and around fertility and around death and discomfort um, because we don't really have the tools to, to support ourselves well in that. And, and a lot of those tools for me come from slowing down and from learning how to rest and learning how to be with um, the full spectrum of our soma, our somatic experience. Um, and this is something that actually yin yoga taught me <laughs> um, so, so well was, you know, just how do we breathe into the edge of the discomfort that we're feeling and just let the experience unravel. And that, that medicine, that's the medicine of yin, of the feminine, mm. um, going right to the edge and just whew, finding the breath, <laughs> finding the spaciousness to allow the things to move in their own time. Mm. beautifully said love so how would you describe your work what is your work mm. oh. I would say my work is really just a reflection of my own womb awakening journey um, and it's constantly evolving <laughs> as a result of that. It started with um, fertility awareness and, and teaching women how to track their cycles and, you know, get off of hormonal birth control and really reestablish this sense of trust in their womb and their womb cycle and how to harmonize with that and how to really know and understand what is even happening, like a foundation of body literacy. Um, is it will always sort of be the foundation of my work and um, so that that's a major piece um, but it's when I started practicing fertility awareness I started tracking my cycle and really tuning in to my body it was never just about like contraception or um, I mean I, I'm a total nerd <laughs> for for everything there is to learn about the body so I I loved 
geeking out on like hormonal physiology and like anatomy of the womb and all the things. Um, But really what it was for me was a starting point, like a reclamation of what it means to have a womb, what it means to have a cycle, um, what it means to ebb and flow. And within that practice, I began to question, you know, all of these um, societal conditionings around um, my femininity and my sexuality and, and my power as a woman and my, my creative power. Um, and it's, it, it evolved from there into um, an exploration of the innocence of our sexuality and the erotic you know, nature of life, how innocent that actually is. Mm. Um, and it has spiraled from there into all sorts of, um, you know, a deep study into trauma healing. And um, I'm also a body worker and um, have deeply studied um, hands-on healing modalities, both physical and energetic so that that's another piece of the work that I do and and that I love is is just really this um the how how powerful it is when we lay hands on it's one of the most ancient like feminine healing practices is is it's so maternal it's so safe and nurturing just to have that touch just to be grounded back into the body Mm. Um, and that's something that I, that I always, I'm trying, or I guess I'm still visioning how to bridge that into the online work that I offer because it feels like such an antidote for, um, just our, our nervous systems, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I was there. I was feeling it. I was just thinking how not, how much I'd like to receive hands-on work from you. Mm, yes. <laughs> I just had a facial today, and it was purely. It was a hydrofacial. It was purely like you know, es- skin esthetician. But yeah. the lady, the the nurse doing it, she was just like just her hands on my face. I was just receiving so much mama love from mm-hmm. her. I told her how relaxing it was, and just it's just so powerful isn't it to receive grounded loving present touch from yeah and for me like I and well I was about to say from women it's special I love being touched by men of course but there's something I'm I'm an unmothered woman I talk about this I'm mm. I'm unmothered and I have to learn to mother myself and find mothering beyond a mother mm-hmm. and so receiving touch from women is so potent for me personally. Mm. Maybe I'll get to receive it from you one day. I would I would love that. Ah, yeah. Wow. That is that's beautiful. And also I think a part of the sisterhood piece, right? It's like mm-hmm. um yes, of course the mother um and and just the the nurturing of that, but also like you know the cuddles of sisters and and just to give um to give that that touch in in an informal way um, can yeah. be so healing. And I was at a blessing way for a dear sister, and we were all loving up on her and like, rubbing her feet and her hands and her arms. And 
um, it just created this energy of like, I was like, wow, we're like back in the temples or, you know, we're like rubbing oil on each other and anointing each other and blessing each other and also just like gossiping and chatting and, <laughs> you know, like just being women together and that that we live in such an individualized society. There's so much pressure to be self-reliant, to be, you know, capable um, and not need help from anyone. And I, I have deeply had that, um, that path to navigate, especially with a, an Aries Venus and an Aries moon. I'm like, I can do it myself. You know, like I, I'm a warrior, you know, and, um, to really soften and, and learn how to ask for help and for, for ask for support without, again, there being that need for, um, like the exchange of what our capitalist society deems as being appropriate, like money or mm. what have you, um, to just be like, let's just give each other love. <laughs> it's so healing. Hey, that, mm-hmm. that like non-sexual erotic, Sisterhood, I would yeah. call it. Yes. Kisses, cuddles, hair stroking, massage. Mm-hmm. There was a, when I was living in Thailand where I spent a lot of time with my sisters, stark bollock, naked most of the day <laughs> on the beach. We oh. all experienced this profound healing and we still talk about it now. We're, we're not, you know, living in the same country these days, but being like seeing each other's yonis and like Mm -hmm. you know just as if they're part of the furniture and you know this sister's leaning to the side so you can kind of see up her bum or whatever and it's just so totally (laughs) normal and natural and totally non-sexual not that there would be any problem if you know there was sexual stuff but it's different right it's like it's just this we're meant to be naked together yeah it's wild it's wild. We're meant to cuddle. We're meant to kiss. We're animals. We need that touch, that loving, mm-hmm. non-threatening touch. So I'm with you 100%. And it's something that I try to bring as safely as I can into any in-person work I do in groups with women where we often choose each day on a retreat. As each day is a different sister. And at the end of our morning practice, she goes in the middle of us and we massage her and love her and like you know um smudge her and just Mm. her hair and people emerge from that having this profoundly healing experience of just Mm -hmm. yeah just being able to receive loving touch from other women is so so good so anyone listening to this love up on your your women in your life it will be so so valued yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the one part, point I'd love to add to that, the one yeah. piece I'd love to add to that is is just to this reminder that we are all holding so much in our bodies and mm. the de-armoring and the softening into being able to receive can be a whole initiation in and of itself. And how important it is for there to be that, that consent and you know even even though the idea may be you know only to to love and nurture and support I I know for myself there have been there have been times where learning how to navigate 
a no, a boundary of no has been a huge part of my um, ability to say yes and to really open and receive. And I really don't think that we can have an authentic yes if we haven't owned our no. Um, and I, I, I know that's been a huge part of my journey into reclaiming my pleasure as a woman Um, practicing my no, especially around my body and touch to my body. Um, And so I just want to bring that piece in too, that it's like, this, this can also bring up so much, even, even just the longing for pleasure and touch and sisterhood connection and nourishment can really highlight and, and, sharply show us where we're not available for that and that can feel really painful too um so i just wanted to say name that as 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 a potential reality Mm, thank you love as i was saying it i was thinking consent yes with consent it's so part of my life these days that i forget that it's not part of everyone else absolutely and you know we were just in that beautiful quote of yours i I read out and actually there's another key part of your writing I'm just on your Instagram page right now um maybe I can name it here it's like it's it's basically saying that expansion who knows that contraction is just as transformative as expansion so yeah. that's almost, a, it's a beautiful parallel between what you just said about yes and no, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes our no, which we associate with like the negative, is actually giving us loads and loads of yes. Yes. Oh, I love how you said that. Yeah. The sacred negative, the sacred no. The sacred um, no, baby. It is huge. Anybody who's <laughs> listening to this and has issues kind of like holding their boundaries maybe they've been in situations or relationships where they haven't been allowed to have boundaries maybe as kids it's such a key part and and I really do feel like women bear the brunt of this wounding that we're not allowed to say no because Mm -hmm. you know I also I experience it a lot on my um, online community when people are asking things of me or or being acting in a certain way and I say no thank you mm-hmm. no I'm sorry no thank you we don't do that here mm. I can get a really strong 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 reaction from something that's actually said very 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 gently because it's no and no is very charged for people yeah. to receive but when we well I mean this is a whole a whole (laughs) teaching isn't it the teaching of the sacred no Mm -hmm. it is it absolutely is and it's again one of one of the womb initiations right like the mother the matriarch like what is required for this womb sovereignty is healing these aspects of the wounded maiden that has been not even just conditioned, but like celebrated to to not have boundaries mm. or to um, to fawn, you know, and to give away and to um, to chase after. And I, I've absolutely, you know, 
tracked that in my life story and in my my journey with my womb it's like whoa okay let me draw back my energy like let me reclaim my my autonomy and my choice and what I what is it that I really want to give my energy to and that's the medicine of of the mother and the matriarch because she really she knows what it takes to reign right it it takes so much responsibility Mm. to to take care of those that we love and to give our our gifts in a good way in the world and so we have to be really discerning about who we collaborate with who we say yes to where we give our energy and when and um I, I talk a lot about this when I teach about ovulation and the ovulatory phase, which is hormonally, energetically, when we are at our this peak expansion of summer and, and the yang um, phase of our cycle, um, very different from that yin menstrual phase. And for me, that phase is really personified by the archetype of the mother, the matriarch and mm-hmm. um I know I've had this experience of of feeling so generous in my ovulatory phase and saying yes to everything and wanting to show up for it all. And then, you know, that that shift, that hormonal shift happens and I move into my premenstrual phase and suddenly I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I, I want to just like clear my plate and do me. Um, and then you get to have all of these great opportunities of like negotiating agreements and like how do we how do we do that gracefully how do we you know oh I said yes to this but actually it's a no for me like that whole conversation I have definitely had um some some great (laughs) lessons in that especially as you were saying like um you know people on Instagram wanting to connect and collaborate and um yeah just like really figuring out where my boundaries are with my energy is a big part of of the mother matriarch um spiral of womb awakening (laughs) you know love it's as you just said that i was just thinking a thought that i've thought many times in my life but maybe just not for a while and and it just hit me around the face again that to listen to the womb is to turn away from the majority of the Western or modern world for half your life or half your cycle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, when we're ovulating and we're like, yeah, I can do everything. And, yeah, I'll do that and I'll do that and I'll do that. And I feel like I can do whatever I want to do all the time. And then, oh, okay, premenstrual phase. Oh, yeah okay, no, actually, no, thank you. Um, I need to retreat and I need to slow down and I need to wind, wind myself, unwind myself because I'm going to go into my death cave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when you start to listen to that, it's very hard to function at that pace, that patriarchal pace, the grind it's it almost is. impossible. It's, it's, <laughs> in, it's impossible to navigate, to successfully navigate the world of lies mm. when you listen to the truth of the womb. Eh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and there is there's this 
I'm going to name it. There is like, you, it's as if you're mad hmm. to many people. Yeah. And, and that is a lot to hold, isn't it? It is. It, I mean, that's a dark goddess threshold. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, that, that madness, that hysteria. Hysteria yeah. means womb consciousness. Mm. Um, and I, uh, I wish I could remember more of the etymology of that wor- word, but I'm, I, I almost think it's connected to a goddess. Um, like, yeah, I think hysteria is a, is a goddess. Yeah, like hustra or hysteria or something like that. But it means, yeah, it means womb consciousness. So when a woman is hysterical, she is awakening to the, the, the dark goddess uh, voice of her womb. Mm. and and that is chaos you know there there is destruction there is um i mean the womb represents life and giving of life but very much also represents death and the chaos and destruction that goes along with that so that we can create something new and this is really what the world is asking of us as womb keepers is to to heal um, this rift, this disassociation, this, this disconnection with all of these expressions of the feminine. You know, I, I, I feel that with like the feminist movement that had, that happened in the 70s um, and into the 80s where, you know, hormonal birth control was like first introduced, it was, you know, celebrated as this, this liberation, this liberatory um, gift Mm -hmm. and um because it it gave women an opportunity to move in the world as equal to a man Mm -hmm. and there there's there's absolutely value to that in the journey that the feminine is on in terms of rebirthing herself Mm -hmm. (laughs) as part of our conscious awareness um but that, you know, there's also a disservice there where, you know, the reality is that we're not equal to men. Like, or I guess what I'd rather say is, you know, fair is not always equal and that there is, of course, this like essential equality, but at the same time, our bodies are fundamentally different and our hormonal rhythms are fundamentally different and our needs are fundamentally different. And so, um, what I envision in in this new age of Aquarius is um, that we come into balance in a really harmonious way, where it's not a matriarchal, you know, culture or a patriarchal culture, but it's this new sacred union of the two um, polarities, and we find this like beautiful harmony where um, women and women's bodies can flourish and be celebrated as they are naturally and uh, men and um, men's bodies can do the same. And I really do believe that's possible. Hmm. May it be so love. Hmm. Desire. And I want to ask you, there's a beautiful part of, of your work related to this where you speak about just trying to pass the difference between 
um, an unintegrated, traumatized feminine and an empowered, conscious, dark feminine and how Mm. sometimes maybe they might look the same and yet they're not. What could you tell us about that, please? Yeah, Um, that's a deep journey into... um, you know, trauma, really, because a, a lot of our wounded, um, our wounded feminine is, is, is acting out of unintegrated trauma. And, and something that I've really landed with in my, in my own journey and work is just like, we are all traumatized. And it, it took me a long time to identify as somebody who has trauma. And it took me you know, learning about the nervous system and really starting to understand like what is trauma. So I just want to say briefly, like trauma isn't necessarily what happened to you Mm. so much as it is what didn't get resolved within the thing that happened. So, you know, there's, there's trauma with like a capital T that most of us think of when we hear about trauma, like really devastating things. Um, rape war torture what have you um but then there's trauma with a little t which could literally be anything you know it could be um it could look like having um you know a a somewhat of an absent care caretaker and not really developing a secure attachment it could look like um being left at school for you know um, after hours, you know, it, there's all of these little things that's like, there's a rupture that happened and it didn't follow with a repair, a relational repair or like a nervous system repair where the body could come back to safety. So we're living our lives in this culture that is operating from a lot of unintegrated trauma from multi-generations of war and uprooting and relocation and loss of home and loss of culture and community and family. Um, and we're, we're really all spinning at our root with this like disembodied kind of fear. And um, as far as how that expresses with the feminine, um, the wounded feminine part of the journey of coming into the 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 sacred work of the dark feminine is to reclaim the empowered expression of these emotions that have been rejected like grief and anger and um, even like ecstatic sexual pleasure um, all of these things that have been kind of like made taboo or whatever um And so when we are operating from the unintegrated trauma of the wounded feminine, a lot of times we can, you know, think that we're being really empowered when we are expressing anger or um, our our sexual power or whatever it might be. Um, But we're actually moving from a a wound. We're actually moving from from our trauma body. And that's okay. You know, like I don't want to, demonize that I don't want to make that wrong because trauma is messy and healing is messy and a lot of times we have to get triggered to be able to remember and re- rework you know like how 
what it is that really we want to have happen and um what occurs through that process is hopefully we just become more and more resourced so that when something occurs and there's a trigger you know we find that empowered dark feminine response um and you know one of one of the ways that our i know my ancestors worked with really big intense emotions that the feminine is actually really blessed to be able to experience again it's part of this incredible cleansing for both ourselves and our family and our community one of the ways that my i know my ancestors worked with that was through ritual and again that's part of why i wrote or was called to write the the please make space guide for the premenstrual phase. It's like, how can we create ritual and ceremony around these really intense, big emotions that have been, you know, um, suppressed. And so they feel really scary and then want to come out in these maybe potentially harmful or destructive ways. And, um, you know, the practice of um, grieving was done um by the banshees in in the Irish cultures or in the the North cultures, and there, it's such a beautiful beautiful practice of of hysteria actually. Um, Is keening right? Keening, yes, absolutely. Thank you. That the word was elusive. <laughs> um, yes, these these keening ceremonies. Um, keening over the dead, um, keening over the men as they returned from war time. And it was, an, it was a shamanic alchemical process of transmuting the pain body, the trauma body of um, those that we loved. And also praise, you know, grief and praise are, are so connected. And when we grieve deeply, we're also praising that which we love and mm. um, Martin Prechtel has really beautiful teachings on that in his book, The Smell of Rain on Dust. And I love that book. Thank you for mentioning it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that, that's where I went. <laughs> that does beautifully. And I also just love that we invited your well-Irish ancestors mm. conversation. Mm -hmm. where, do you know where your people are from, love? Is it... Yeah. Just Ireland or around? I'm sure there's some Scottish. There is, there is. I um so I've traced my my father's ancestry about five generations back. Um and my mother was adopted, so I don't know her I only know her ancestry through a DNA test, but it's not really specific. Mm -hmm. But in my dad's um line I just have one rogue Irish grandmother. All the rest of it is like German, um, Lithuanian, I think. And um, yeah, and this this one Irish grandmother that comes from North Kerry. Um, and yeah, I, I'm sure that that practice of keening was shared among many people of, of the Scandinavian and like Northern Europe regions for sure i know the italians have their own i forget the yes. word but they have their own version of keening don't they at funerals yes 
Mm, amazing. I Not that long ago, I was watching some videos of keening and I was just, you know, it's so important for those of us who, well, for you in the States and those of us who feel like our animist cultural connections have been totally severed to for us to remember these practices, these rituals that mm-hmm. are huge i mean they are huge in kind of understanding where we became disembodied and where we can become embodied again absolutely and wow what a an expression of the dark feminine keening is the women often in their black kind of mourning regalia Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're curious i know that youtube has some really beautiful old videos of keening um yeah, I highly recommend checking those out. So, love, in relation to that, as we're talking about trauma, and thank you for your beautiful answering of my question, by the way. That was, yeah, it was very, very um, touching and, and beautifully woven. I wanted to ask about the witch wound and what the witch wound has been for you in your life, whether this has touched you. Oh, yes. Um, Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I was first called to, my womb first called me into apprenticeship in 2000. Well, I guess I I had an ovarian cyst that burst in 2012. And that was really when I began to come back to my body and realize, you know, wow, I, I have a womb. <laughs> I have a fertility cycle. I have, mm. um, yeah, I live in a body and my body is unwell. <laughs> so you have a great post. Um, I don't know who the actress is, but um, it's a meme with, you know, all of the ways that the dark goddess initiates us. <laughs> and thank um, it's my Cleopatra. It's Elizabeth Taylor as Cleopatra. It's my first yes. meme. <laughs> it is the best. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was like, yep, check, check, check. <laughs> um, but definitely, you know, illness is one of them. And I certainly have walked that path of chronic illness and bordered on autoimmune um, disease, which for me, I really came to see as an invitation to self-love, you know, as a, a, yeah, there's a, I could say a lot about that, but, um, yeah. And, and it was between 2012 and 2014 that I began receiving a lot of downloads about the movement that we're in right now. And that has been slowly, 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 just like synapses, you know, I always see it in my mind's eye as like a mycelial underground network and these, you know, all of these mushroom spores just like spreading out over the forest. And it's like, that's really what I was being shown at this time. And I was having a lot of, you know, energetic recalibrations, I guess. Um, And um, it was really, it was really scary. You know, I didn't, there wasn't really anyone else that I could find who um, was um, talking about this really openly. And 
Um, there weren't a lot of books written about it. And I mean, there were like ancient texts and there were some like, you know, really powerful old pieces of, of work. Um, a few of them that were really supportive for me was like Healing Wise by Susan Weed, which is a great book about um, this feminine like womb consciousness and healing and how that happens so differently from um, this kind of conventional Western model that, that we believe is what healing looks like. Um, but really I was just kind of finding my own way and, you know, often thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, really thought like nobody's going to believe me if I talk about this stuff, you know, and, it was really me figuring out how to trust my body's intuition, how to listen to the voice of my womb, how to open my, my channel. My, my psychic channel had been really severed and I was experiencing like a very large, I guess like third eye crown chakra, like, you know, um, expansion to receive a lot of the, these codes. And, um, in 2014, I really started to do this hands-on healing work. That's what I was guided to do and um, started to flesh out, like, what does this womb work look like? And I knew that fertility awareness was a part of that. I knew cycle checking and re-education about our, our wombs and our bodies was really crucial to that. But I didn't really know. It was a great mystery. And I got really scared uh you know I got really afraid of um being misunderstood of being judged of being um harmed you know like I was bumping up against these like really archaic structures of like you have to have a degree in this to say anything or you have to be certified or like you know like you have to somehow check out in like the modern world um, to, to be able to open your mouth at all. And that was really, I'm a super intellectual, you know, learner and and student of life. And so there was some strong programming around, like, how can I be validated in my knowledge? Um, and that was just not at all how the womb works. Like the womb is like, this is not certifiable knowledge. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, like this is, this is the knowledge of life. This is the wisdom of the earth. Um, a lot of the, a lot of what I have learned came really from the earth. I spent a lot of time in wilderness places and um, a lot of time in water places <laughs> um, and just listening to the voice of the earth speak. Mm. So, and, and that's what, to me, that's really what a witch is you know I, I used to go by the title of a hedge witch and the hedge witch is somebody that lives right at the hedge line which is the space in between you know the wild forest and the um and the town the the, the community and she was kind of she was the shaman the medicine woman the keeper in between of um of the magical and the mundane and I, I, my ancestral lineage, that's really what resonates the strongest for me is, is that hedge witch energy. Mm. Um, 
but as we all know, there was, you know, a mass movement to really eradicate this, this feminine wisdom and this feminine way of being. And it looked like the rise of the church, the rise of the state, the rise of the American Medical Association and the, all the other medical associations that took healing out of the hands of, of the midwives and put it into the elite class. Um, there's a really great book. Uh, which is midwives and nurses that it's about like 70 or 80 pages long. And it's a wonderful manifesto about the, the loss of women's power really mm. and influence. Um, great book. I'll put that in the show notes. Yes, please do. So when we're doing work, the kind of work that you and I are doing, there is an edginess to it. And, you know, I already mentioned kind of madness and hysteria and let's also just pop a note in there about hysterectomies as the um, industrial medical solution mm -hmm. to the dark feminine yeah uh, which doesn't solve anything <laughs> um, and so there is this there is this it feels like a risk sometimes doesn't it to be speaking about to be sharing womb wisdom because mm -hmm. our world is so allergic to truth in many ways that yeah one of the ways that the witch wound shows up is this yeah this fear of really saying saying speaking truth and I'm just wondering how this might have been present in your journey of doing the work that you do yeah yeah so you know, for me, I I took this turn away at about, you know, I guess it was 2014, and I kind of went underground with my with my work and with my, um, you know, I, I like shut down my channel. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm not available for this, you know, um, and because it felt so edgy and. Um, I, what I really realized was I'm not ready to lead yet. You know, I need, I need to tend to my own initiation. Um, I had a lot of enthusiasm and excitement, um, and wanted to just kind of like quantum jump into this, um, new, new place. And I really realized like, wow, I have some healing work to do. So, um, it's been, you know, a long a long journey of re-emerging and um there's always another edge right like this spiral path that is the womb path um we think we've healed something and then it crops back up again and in, in a new way in a new light and i've seemed to have kind of come full circle now where the the mystical magical shamanic calling that really brought me onto the womb path is is has returned and but i'm i'm standing in a new place and i'm really um ready to hold it in in a way that i wasn't before and what that looks like for me is um stepping into this role as a medicine woman and as a womb shaman if you will um and I'm so eternally grateful for the role that plant medicine 
has played in that um in that healing journey and um i've sat with ayahuasca and i've sat with mushrooms and and also just the spirit of what we might consider you know mundane plants like dandelion and rosemary um, and um have been really learning how to listen to the guidance of our plant ancestors who are who are truly the ones that that know how this is done <laughs> you know they have the, the ancient wisdom um and i i've had a lot of fear around being visible in that way of being seen um with my like taking my invisibility cloak off and and you know shining my rainbow light so to speak and saying you know you know here i am i'm i'm ready to serve and because with that comes so much responsibility and um to step into the role of of midwifing others on their path of womb awakening as i'm sure you know is it's it's a lot of responsibility and it's a lot of um it's a lot of of power and yeah i'm in a place now where i'm just getting ready to to hold that and i am visioning the merger of my hands-on healing work with the online work that i've been tending for the last few years and um, offering ceremonial womb healing retreats where women can really come and work one-on-one -on -one with me and receive the hands-on healing work and work with the sacred plant medicines um, and and um, yeah and take take the work wherever it needs to go for them you know there's there's really no agenda in the in the world of womb healing like the dark goddess just you know throws that out the window and it's like a big surrender to the mystery and to the tr to trusting whatever needs to unfold mm. thank you love yeah thank you for that question mm. it was yeah <laughs> i'm looking forward to re-listening to a lot of what you've said because it's nuanced and um yeah will benefit from being yeah revisited Mm. Um, so love we've been speaking for over an hour now so I know that it's time to pull the threads of this conversation together and I like to do that at the end by asking some kind of quick fire questions so <laughs> simple questions this is so that we can get a little taste of who you are um, uh, you know we're, we're so um, poetic sometimes I love to know some of the baser, more um, mundane things about the magical women in my life. Mm. So, okay, here's one. Which astrological placement in your chart says the most about you? Oh, ah, wow. Um, hmm. I, I, there's two that are really coming up. One, I would say is my my fire moon and venus um i have an aries moon and venus which i've mentioned already but i'm a taurus with cancer rising so people are always i think surprised when i get on 
my my fiery tangents in my soapboxes because on the surface I'm I can be really soft mm. and really gentle, but I I am a warrior at heart and um and I'm I definitely have a mission that I'm here here on and can get fiery and feisty with that. And I think people see that the more they get to know me. Mm -hmm. um, and the other is my my Chiron in Cancer. And I think this also kind of piggybacks on that witch wound piece where it's like Chiron represents the most wounded part of us and really what we are here to heal and therefore what we're able to help others heal. And cancer, of course, is our innermost world and our tenderest places and our most emotional, vulnerable self. So to show up in the public work that I do and to present that part, that messiness, that inner transformation um, is so vulnerable uh, for me. And my I just want to be in my little cave and <laughs> in my sweatpants or whatever. But um, yeah, those would be the two. Mm. Thank you, love. What is your favorite food for the menstrual phase? Ooh. You know, the first thing that popped into my head was figs. Mm. Um, but I actually don't eat figs all that much <laughs> in my menstrual phase specifically. I just, I do love figs though. Me too. Um, yeah, they're delicious. Um, but I think I honestly tend toward like very grounding, nourishing, like um, stews. I love making like sog paneer with like spinach and mm -hmm. milk and things like that. Yum. Mm -hmm. Who is your go-to dark feminine goddess or archetype? Oh, wow. Could be more than one. It's hard to just say one. I know it really is. I would say Inanna and Kali. Um, Kali came to me more easily because I was already in the yoga world, and um, so it was it was um, more readily available. I guess her her medicine was more present. Mm. But once I learned the story of Inanna and or Ishtar and her her descent, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> like that is, that's it right there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's the ultimate tonic. Oh, I, it's hard to say tonic properly. Catonic, yeah. Tonic. I'm just hard to pronounce the first syllables, but that's the ultimate tonic story really, isn't it, for the feminine, Anana traversing the underworld taking off the seven me at each gate mm. until she's naked, bowed low to enter. Yeah. Beautiful. Gets every time. <laughs> I know. Oof, that is powerful ancient medicine there. Yeah. If this conversation we had was a song, what song would it be? Hmm. <sighs> You know, it, I am so bad with songs. <laughs> I'm so bad with song lyrics and song titles. I always draw a blank. <sighs> I, I want to turn that question back on you and, and ask, what would it be for you? Mm. 
It would be Suzanne by Leonard Cohen. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. I'm going to have to listen to that again. Mm, I love that song. Really, really beautiful. Okay. Um, your favorite gift of your cycle? Hmm. I, being somebody who has struggled with irregular cycles, um, the my menses, my menstrual phase, tends to be very elusive. <laughs> or I guess my ovulation really is what is so elusive. But when I do bleed, that is really my favorite time um, because it feels, again, like this cleanse, this release, this reset. Um, and I just, I have a love affair with my menstrual blood and um yeah it just feels powerful and beautiful mm, i know that feeling and last question is which phase of your cycle is the most challenging and why <sighs> i would say my um my follicular phase my my springtime um and again, because I have irregular cycles, um, my body really struggles to orchestrate ovulation and the sort of all the hormonal feedback loops that go along with that. Um, so my follicular phase can really stretch on, and it's always been a source of um, of frustration and surrender <laughs> um yeah and so it's definitely taught me a lot about um patience and um waiting for right timing and allowing things to unfold in their own way and breaking out of this mold that the cycle should look a certain way or it should be on a certain timeline i recently wrote a post um your cycle is always on time mm -hmm. and that has really been you know we teach what we need, what we need to learn and that has really been my my challenge and my journey with with my own cycle beautiful love thank you so much for speaking to me today for the oracle mm -hmm. and for being an oracle with me today if people want to get in touch with you please could you tell them the best way to find your work and to work with you yeah, absolutely. Um, my website is wombroot.com and that's also my Instagram handle. Um, and so if you want to dip into the feed, uh, you can do that on Instagram. And then a lot of the links to my work are in my bio, um, including the Please Make Space ebook. And I'm, I don't know when this podcast will be released, but I am uh, beginning a six-week course on menstruation and emotional cleansing on March 20th. Um, so that's there, and it's a great way to, again, just to dip in. I also have a womb-tending mentorship that's a one-on-one -on -one journey, and if you're curious about the ceremonial womb healing work, uh, you can reach out to me on my DMs or um, find my email on my website at wombroot.com beautiful. Audrey Jean, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to
be in relationship with you. It's a pleasure to be in relationship to your work and to be a kind of colleague and ally along this path of womb consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you so much, Miriam. It's been a pleasure. Much love. Bye-bye. Oh, so much wisdom in that conversation. I love the the gentle power with which Audrey shares these really groundbreaking truths. Um, yeah, thank you, Audrey. We love you. Love your work in the world. Thank you for all you do, all you are, all you, that you embody, all the wisdom that you share around the cycles, around womb sovereignty around the dark feminine and death as medicine and all of this much needed, much, much, much needed wisdom on the planet right now. I felt that conversation was like, I don't know, just really soothing to my system. I've listened to it a couple of times as I um, put this episode together and I really recognize the the contrast between my often quite fiery way of conversing and then this very yin, um, gentle way that Audrey plays in the space with me. And I feel there was a lovely resonance between the two of us. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as, as we did having it. And there's so much more to speak about with Audrey and she will be back. So sometime later this year, hopefully we will do a second episode because her work is very, very deep and multifaceted and intricate. And now that you've got a little taste of her, I'd love to, yeah, to show you more about this very, very interesting, powerful work that she's giving And I also want to tell you a couple of things about what's happening at Moonbody in the coming weeks, coming months. I mentioned I've been in Italy already for Nectar and I'm going to be back for the second round of Nectar. This is my women's mysteries training, which is a week long, takes place at the beautiful retreat center La Rosa di Quattroventi in Puglia southern Italy and we'll be back August 13th to 20th so the doors are open now for the second round of Nectar if you wish to join us you can go to my website moon-body.com or you could go to my Instagram moon underscore body and yeah all the links are there for you to read more about Nectar it's a very uh yin (laughs) it's a very yin training so this isn't like a ytt kind of thing this is like learn feminine wisdom whilst healing and resetting your nervous system so it's a very soft sensual relaxed watery week and then there's something else new coming that's really exciting for me i am about to open the doors to a new online experience. It's a temple all around sacred sexuality and it's guided under the leadership of a very important goddess who you are going to experience in a very 
new light. Well, it might be new. If you know this goddess well, it won't be new, but it's certainly a different way of portraying her than she is understood in the mainstream. Ooh, who is it? Ooh, I hope I <laughs> hope I made you curious. Um, it's a really exciting new offering, and we're going to look at different expressions of the light and the dark feminine in terms of sexuality and the erotic. So there's no information available, but in the next few days... I'm going to slowly honey drip little clues like breadcrumbs through my socials. And for those who are craving this experience, then you'll know where to go. So my loves, this concludes episode three. Episode four is coming soon. Ooh, and it's, yeah. I'll tell you more when I'm ready. But for now, I wish you a beautiful day beautiful week, beautiful month. Be well, nourish yourself, sleep well, turn off the TV, put your feet in the grass, put your hands on your womb, take a deep breath, soften your jaw, touch your yoni. (laughs) And you can't go wrong if you're doing all of that stuff. All right, loves. So be well. And I will see you in episode four. Much love.